This is the Full Port Podcast with Josh Howard and Nate Wyatt, brought to you by T.P. Howard's Plumbing. Hey, this is Josh Howard with T.P. Howard's Plumbing. There's nothing worse than a plumbing emergency. In today's podcast, we've got Mallory Fuller with Price Construction. Indeed. One of the most mispronounced names in the history of construction. <laughs> <laughs> so we met probably a year, year and a half ago. Yep. A place not too far from here through Gorham Bradley with Stanberry Insurance. That's correct. So we start every podcast by asking the morning routine. So go through your morning routine. My morning routine. <laughs> it's always a, it's always a good one. Well, it starts about um, six six thirty in the morning. I uh, check my email and I always give it a side glance <laughs> just to make sure I don't have any. Um, crazy or unhappy emails that's that's always what i do so i kind of look through the side of my eyes so anyway i go through my morning email um which includes a number of newsletters and try and get up to speed on the news of the day uh, get up shower uh go into the kitchen my wife uh makes smoothie for us i get some iced coffee uh and i hit the road uh and we go out and we're going out and visiting our jobs starting there. All right, so let's go back. So the reason we asked that question is because do you brush your teeth? Okay, uh, I do not. However, <laughs> I use mouthwash. <laughs> I brush my teeth when I go to bed. I love that question. I use mouthwash. All right. So tell us, tell us about you. Where'd you grow up? Uh, so I was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. So I'm a Buckeye born. Oh, uh, man. Spent uh, the first 13 years of my life there. Uh, grew up going to Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals games, which folks that know me in my sphere know that I have a slight um, coloration that might be orange and black when it comes to football <laughs> but i've stayed through thick and thin through the lean years and there have been a lot of them uh but anyway so uh grew up in cincinnati uh my father worked for a company called champion international which was a paper manufacturer they were he- they were headquartered at the time in hamilton ohio a suburb just north of cincinnati um went to my formative school years there we lived in a couple of different suburbs there um we were in wyoming ohio and then we were in indian hill then uh he was so he was transferred corporate headquarters moved to connecticut um and when i was 13 we moved to new canaan connecticut he was in stanford connecticut and i spent my high school and college years up in the northeast where'd you go to college went to a little school called skidmore college up in saratoga springs new york okay i mean so it's known as a horse town right uh and uh, it's so saratoga springs is a lot like Asheville, north carolina uh lake lake george is a primary geographic factor there mountains um very similar to Asheville. beautiful uh had a great time uh graduated college uh met my now wife met her uh she was a waitress at a a restaurant where i was having dinner with some friends after graduation and it's a great story so the the waitress that was waiting on our table she was friends with and so she gave her 
friend, the wait, the waitress, her number and said, "Hey, give it, give it to me." <laughs> so I definitely have fun with that, even to this day, uh, that she was hunting me. Uh, but we're and, but we're coming up on thirty years married. Wow. wow! So that's a big time. Yeah, that's awesome. So you graduated college. Graduated college, uh, got married, uh, and actually went into the corporate paper business. So I, uh, I, I went into the paper distribution business. I uh, moved to Dallas, Texas. Uh, started in that business, and my wife was a teacher. Um, spent four or five years in Dallas, uh, and then was transferred to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, spent a couple years in Milwaukee, Wisconsin which is a great town, by the way. We loved that town. Um, then got transferred to Minneapolis for a real short period of time. And then I was recruited to come down and work for Blue Ridge Paper Products out of Canton, North Carolina, which was the old champion mill that the employees bought it out. Okay, I, I was going right? to ask how it, that, if that was related. Yep, yep. So okay. that, that became an ESOP. Um, and so the employees bought that out. That's And so they... They recruited me down here. Uh, this is 98, 99. Um, and um, got down here, moved my family down here, and for various and sundry reasons, that job didn't pan out to be exactly like they had uh, advertised. And my wife was pregnant with our third daughter, so we have three, three daughters. Um, and she... We had moved like seven times in our first seven years wow, of marriage, yeah. and so she was flat <laughs> over moving. Uh, and so she said, you know what, honey? Uh, you're going to have to figure it out here. And I'm like, honey, we're in Asheville, North Carolina. We're not in Atlanta or Charlotte yeah. where you know I can just yeah. go easily find a job. But anyway, um, I, um, I met Jim Price because uh, he built the house that we bought here. He was building it as a speculative home. Um, and we became friends during the, that process. And, and throughout the course of a bunch of soul searching and trying to figure out what I was going to do, uh, Jim and I decided that we would try and work together. Uh, Jim likes to travel, and uh, he needs to have coverage while he's traveling. And so I said, hey, how about if I watch the houses for you while you're traveling? So that, that started it, and... Um, it's blossomed from there, which I'm sure we'll get into, but that, that's how it all started. So you went to work for Jim. Yes. So you quit the paper mill during your house, right, or after your house was built? House is finished, uh, job doesn't pan out, and so Jim and I decide to give it a, give it a go. And he's building in? So he was building in Biltmore Park, okay. where I currently live. Right. Uh, and so he had a number of homes going, because he was one of the first uh, preferred builders uh, in that community uh, and so I started watching homes for him and he helped uh, what I did when we started the whole thing was I went around and, and, and apprenticed kind of quote unquote with each of the trades so I worked my way through uh, the construction process from, from you know the very beginning to the end so when the, when the site and the lot are cleared to the, to the footings and the foundation to the framing, to the trades, yep. to the insulation, to the sheetrock, so on and so forth. Painting, trim, uh, and so I spent time with each of those areas, and so that helped 
really lay the foundation. And then I got my contractor's license during that process uh, and actually got my building uh, component, which is different than the residential component. So Jim only had a residential license and I got my building license, which basically opens up the ability to, to do both commercial and residential projects. Right. Okay. So I did that all while I was doing the apprentice work. And, and uh, it was interesting because, you know, Jim is an engineer. He's an industrial engineer and uh, he's incredibly meticulous and he's very detail oriented. And my sort of my initial background had been sales and, and marketing. And so we had to marry the two things. And so, you know, I'm bringing ideas about how to grow the business and he's telling me how to, how and where to put the nails in the studs and how and where to put the, the flashing on the roof. Uh, and so we really, uh, it was really, I mean, you know, I mean, it was a fun and it was a, it was a very rewarding time as we're right. growing together. So then when did you decide, so was the, the goal the whole time, once you got into it, was it for you to take over? Or was, when did that become reality? So I would, uh, no, I think the first few, you know, the first few years are a blur, right? You're just trying to, you're trying to learn, you're trying to understand, you're trying to appreciate, you know, both sides of, of an issue or a problem. You know, the good thing, what, what I was learning also, not only was the technical construction component, but was how to interface with clients, how the project was costed, how we priced things, um, how Jim interfaced, uh, you know, from not only the client, but down to the person cleaning the house. It was, it was a great period of time where I learned how to uh, just be with all kinds of people. And, uh, you know, I mean, I felt like I had a decent base of that from my parents and my family. Right. Uh, but it just really, you know, being able to communicate the same with somebody that's, that's cleaning the house versus the CEO of the company that's building the house, I think is a, is a, it, you know, is a real asset. That, 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 and it takes different, you know, a different skill set. Back to your question. So, no, the first few years were a blur. Uh, I was learning and having fun, and I'm, I mean, I'm still having fun, but I was really, really actively <laughs> learning. Uh, and, you know, I'd say after about 10 years, we started, Jim and I started talking about succession or transition. You know, uh, Jim is, uh, I'm, I'm 54, Jim is 75. So at that time, I was 30, you know, five, 36, and he was in his mid to late fifties. And, um, so we, we, we put together a succession plan and, and, uh, uh, I, I, I purchased the company from him in 2014, uh, and really haven't looked back. We've really, um, we've really grown, uh, in a wonderful way, uh, since that time. And I mean, he, he started the, the business in 1986. Yeah. Um, and you know, we, we, uh, Jim became, became one of the first preferred builders with Biltmore Farms as they were developing the new communities in our area. Biltmore Park was the first one. Uh, then they did Biltmore Lake, and now they're on the Ramble. And so we're, we're the last remaining original featured builder from uh, the mid-1990s. You've got to be the, old, the yeah. oldest builder there, too, yeah. right? So, it's, um, so we, we use that as a tool, right? So we're, you know, we... 
We know what Biltmore Farms expects from their builders. Uh, you know, they build wonderful communities. Uh, and, and uh, you know, so 36 plus years of being in business, uh, uh, you know, really brings a lot of credibility to the table yeah. uh, when we're talking with folks. Um, and, you know, the other thing that's been interesting is, uh, is that one of the tacks that we follow is uh, we don't hire project superintendents. You get an owner or a vested interest and, in, you know, somebody that has a vested interest in your project and in the company, that's all we do. So we don't, we don't farm out anything uh, from, the, from a managerial standpoint. And I think that's one thing that separates us. Right. So, and we talked about this earlier, but what are the challenges that you're facing as a company going forward? Well, sir, I mean, if you're talking about acute challenges, like right now in the last two and a half years or in general? Well, I think, you know, two and a half years, but then the, those challenges are going to go, you know, in the next 12 to 18 months as well. Yeah. Um, so we've been around long enough and have a system in place that people know and, and, and like. Um, you know, there's one little fun fact is that our business model um, when we came and joined the Ramble, or when they came and asked us to join the Ramble, they, they modeled their builder's agreement after our financial model. So we know we have a good business model in place. You know, we have 90 years of construction experience between the three people that are in the organization. Now, Gary and Jim have a, a, a tremendous amount of experience. And so the challenges for us going forward really are do we want to scale and get bigger um, so far we've decided that that's not what we want to do we let you know our selling point is intimate coverage over your project so you know you've got me or whoever's leading your project 24 hours a day basically quote unquote you're not gonna have to mess around with anyone else so that that limits how big we can get um, you know, there are obviously external factors, whether it be governmental intervention, the Fed with interest rates and um, uh, the, the general slowdown of the construction industry. I, I would say that even through the, the real estate construction winter of 2007 and 8 up to 12 and 13, Asheville really, really never slowed down to a point where it was alarming. Asheville's always been an incredible destination for folks. Um, so we never, we never stopped in, even in that, you know, long, dark period. Um, and I think that Asheville is going to continue to be that way. And, and, and whatever side of the fence you're on, on terms of the growth in Asheville and the surrounding area, I, you know, I mean, I think it's going to happen. And, and the last two and a half years have only accelerated. One of the things that was a barrier before COVID was you needed to either be a, a, a doctor, lawyer, banker, or be in the service industry, or have a you know, or be an empty nester or a retiree. Um, so there were some barriers. There weren't a lot of jobs that were in you know in the uh, the middle class, shall we say? Right. Right. Yep. And one of the things that, that the pandemic has uh, brought to light is now working from home. 
um, is now a functional reality for so many people. And so we've actually, I mean, we've had an increase in contact from people that all of a sudden have the ability to work from home. And so, I mean, your question is, what are the challenges? I, the only challenges that would affect here is are, are, are external in nature. Government, I mean, if, it, I mean, if interest rates go to 15%, which I, I mean, I don't think that they will. Um, you know, affordable housing is, is always a challenge right. in this part of the world. Uh, but it's funny. So somebody comes to us from, let's say, Ohio or Kansas or uh, Colorado, and they're, they get a little bit of a sticker shock when it comes to the price per square yep. foot. You get somebody that's coming here from California or New York, and they're like, why are you so cheap? Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's an, it's an yeah. interesting... Um, the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Asheville, it's been, you know, you've been here a long time. I've been here for going on 23, 24 years. And I've seen, even in my time, the, the strains of the growth on, on the city. Oh, yeah. And um, so it's, it'll be interesting to see how the city manage, you know, continues to manage the growth. Um, but I think that the overriding factors that are bringing people to Asheville are going to continue. The weather, the climate, the outdoor activity, it's it's tremendous you know you get four seasons here you get um you get a lot of different opportunities to do different things and i think that's what's unique about this place i like that we've yeah. had some we've had some different opinions on what's going to happen <clears throat> yeah what the challenges are or how we're going to move forward and um you know well i, I like, remember talking I like to the, sorry talking to people you know say 10 years ago and they talk about how they moved here from Washington D.C. and they lived in a small, modest house in that area, and they bought a home in Biltmore Lake because they they sold their house there for more than what they bought their home from Biltmore Lake for. So it seems yeah. like maybe that's going to continue to be the trend for us. Yeah. I mean, the biggest challenge to the construction industry in Western North Carolina, as you both know, is labor. Yeah, good, skilled, quality labor. The supply chain is going to fix itself. Yeah, I th- the material I side's going to fix itself. It's already starting to fix itself. I and know. so, you know, going back and looking at, at, at trade programs and getting people in trade programs yep. is going to be the biggest, that's the biggest, I think, single challenge to the construction industry is getting people to come back in. I mean, there is a dearth of masons. I mean, I mean a good, true mason that can build a masonry fireplace or a... Um, you know, I mean, just having people to work in HVAC, in plumbing, um, it's a lost art in some cases. And, you know, who's going to do it? You know, that's the, that's the big thing, I think. Yeah, so we, I mean, over the last two and a half years, we've had one plumber come through our door that we've, we've hired. We've had a lot of people come saying, hey, I'm a plumber, I can do this. Well, that was, you know. So, we, you know, we've had to start the Blue Ridge Community College apprenticeship program and and used to, we could hire, put people in the truck, and move on. Now, it takes two years to create a plumber. You know? Yeah. And, and I, I don't think it's changing. That's going to be, you know, because I don't feel like we do have a lot of people moving here, but we don't have a lot of those kind of people moving here. We don't have a lot of trade people moving here. Yeah. You know. You're going to have to start at the ground yep. level. And, 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 you're gonna and build everything. You're going to have to build it. Yep. And, and 
you know, the, the compensation now is having to come in line so that that becomes a viable path. And, and we're all dealing with that, yep. right? I'm having yep. to pay more for everything, for, for you know, my employees, for our subcontractors, you know, and it's all being pushed where it needs to go, which is to the folks that are actually doing the work. Right. I, I cannot stress that how important it is to have good young people that want to get in this industry. And so the only way you're going to do that is to pay them and uh, then all of a sudden they have, I mean, I was just talking about this with yeah. Clay, if I may, may say, and I said, you know, you get paid appropriately, you value the job you're doing, you have a reason for getting up in the morning, all we want to do is feel valued as a human being and a reason to get up and go to work. <laughs> I just, yeah. you know, I mean, no one wants to sit at home, at least typically the people that I know, <laughs> no one wants to sit at home and just, you know, milk money off of some subsidy. That, that's not, the, that's not in our there's DNA. There's no value in life doing There's that. no value in life. What's the, what's the reason that we get up every, you know, I mean, every morning and check our email from the side and say, hey, anybody mad at me today? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's one thing. Like, we were at Blue Ridge Community College yesterday for Henderson County School Job Fair. Um, and that's one thing we stressed was, like, you can be driving around the actual area you're, and you're seeing buildings. Hey, I, I plumbed that building. Hey, I installed that HVAC unit there. Hey, I helped build that. It gives you value in what you do every day and not it, it, just it gives it's you tangible. Purpose. It's yeah. tangible. Yeah. And maybe one other intangible component of that is, is how do we remove whatever stigma is left with working in the trades? That to me is so outdated and so old school. You know, <laughs> but you know, there's still we were we were at Blue yesterday, that? but and the, a lot of those kids still have that stigma. Yeah, but it's yeah. what they don't understand the things that they want to do. There's really not a market for it anymore. You know, there's always going to be a plumber. Yeah, you know, there's always going to be HVAC. There's always going to be a, a, a brick mason. You know, there just is. Our homes are going to become more and more connected digitally. Uh, electronically, however you want to put it, and so there, there's going to be a need, a, a growing and a constant need for skilled people to come in and work on whether it is a Crestron or a Lutron lighting system or a connected home with Roku or whatever. All these things that, I mean, sooner sooner or later, your toilet <laughs> is going to be connected to the internet, and you're going to be able through an app. To turn on your heated toilet seat from your app when you're well, you, in you can Oklahoma now. and you're coming, yeah, and you're coming yeah. back. That right? exists. It's just but not. somebody's got to fix it if it breaks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I uh, uh, we. But I think getting that across to younger generation to make them come into this field and realize that there's so much more than just like for us unstopping the toilet. Right? Yeah. You know, and and it's only going to get more and more technology as we move forward. Right. And so and so the point to that is there's going to be more money and money available. Right. And there currently is money available. There's really going to be really good money available in this in these fields going forward. I, I you know. Yeah. It, it's just very hard to get across to someone, you know. And we've been very fortunate because we've yeah. hired lots of 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Yeah. And got some really good people that are coming in and kind of buying in um, to what we have going on. But, you know, it's going to take a lot more to continue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So we've touched on this, and, and I'm going to skip through quite a few questions, but what's your goal going forward? Where do you, where are you going? I mean, where, what are your, you know? Um, where am I going? <clears throat> you know, one of the things I love to do is I love to, to read. I'm kind of a technology forward guy. Uh, and so I, I'm always interested in new technology that could go into a home. I'm interested in, um, you know, more efficient building practices. Uh, so one of the things I did do in, in, the, in the long, cold, dark winter of 2007 to 2012 was I, mm-hmm. I became a, a lead accredited professional and I joined the National Association of Home Builders and became a certified green professional. So I, I, I dug in on the sustainable and the renewable side of construction. Um, and so uh, I've been very interested in that um, I'm still waiting. You know, we've, we haven't had as much adoption in, in, uh, in recent years of sustainable technologies because they cost more money. Whether it be photovoltaics, solar panels, thermal solar to preheat your water, geothermal heating systems, recycling uh, roof rainwater to flush toilets, all those things cost more money. And so, so people haven't adopted them yet. So my hope is that we get to the point where every home could have solar panels. Every home could be recycling water to flush toilets. And, and, and each home becomes more of a sustainable entity rather than just a just pull in one direction from the grid or from, from the sewer or whatever, right? One of my uh, goals is to build, I want to build a net zero home and they have been done even in this area but it's not a commonplace and what that means basically is your home produces as much electricity as it consumes and so the net effect on the grid is zero and so you know I mean quite frankly we could use that all across our construction spectrum whether you're building a Walmart a Home Depot all these uh, outlet malls they should all have tons of solar panels and be producing Electricity that they could either dump back onto the grid or power what their, uh, you know, their their particular operation. And so, my hope from a from a uh, a sustainable standpoint is that price construction can lead uh, building more uh, sustainable and uh, you know and, and structures. Right. So we're we're building a home in the Ramble right now that is going to be as close as we've gotten. It, it's going to have a bunch of photovoltaic solar panels on it, two Tesla power walls, which are basically battery storage um, areas, got geothermal as their heating and cooling system. Uh, the only thing they don't have is capturing rainwater to flush toilets, but that's that's a plumbing thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, we're going to have a scarcity. Our, our, our natural resources are going to continue to get more and more strained. I mean, you can see what's going on out west. Water, to me, water is the new gold. Um, and so how we can reuse and recycle and capture water is going to be, I think, of more importance going forward. I really do. So uh, anyway, that's kind of yeah. why. No, definitely. Water is a, a problem for sure. But I want to continue to build sustainable homes that are, you know, 
outstanding quality, but, but they'll last 100 years. I don't want to build a home that's going to last 20 years and then get, you know, recycled or right, yeah. torn down. <clears throat> Too many of our production builders do that, unfortunately, quite frankly. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what's the, you know, you, you've had a lot to say. What's the foundation of who you are and all that? Um, I, I wasn't expecting that deep of a question. Um, the, my foundation comes from my parents and my wife and my family. Um, my, my father taught me at a very young age, um, to be honest, uh, even if it hurts you. Uh, he, he was very uh, adamant about telling me that the short-term pain of, of you being truthful is far better than the long-term pain of, you know, of, of, of continuing and not being truthful. So, um, and then, you know, so I, I have that as a kid and I grow up and then my wife, when she met me or when I met her, I was a, like most 22-year-old males, we're, you know, we think we got the you know the world wrapped around our finger. We know what's going on, right? <laughs> um, and my wife has, over the course of being married with her, has grounded me. Um, uh, I, you know, I I can't. I mean, I wouldn't be here today without her, right? Uh, and without my girls, uh, who who my my wife and my girls are very similar. They all have no filters when it comes to whatever they're talking about or me or if I'm doing something that's they don't like. <laughs> so uh, my humility is intact. I lead very gently now. Uh, I'm happy with where I am. Uh, and I, I try to, to translate that into my business, you know, into my business and its operations. I'm, 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 I'm brutally transparent uh, with clients um, and to the point where I'll lose a project if I think it's going to cost X and somebody else is coming in and said it's going to cost Y less than me and um, I've had multiple occasions where the project I mean I've lost the project and, and it's ended up costing that and the owners have come back and told me that they, you know that, that. and so I, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I mean it doesn't make me feel any better because I've lost a job, but it makes me feel better internally that, I mean, I'm continuing to abide by my moral compass. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, my foundation definitely came from my parents and my wife and my daughters. So when you, you know, we've covered this, but I want you to, last question, so I want you to kind of, what drives you every day? When you wake up, what drives you? So that's a multi-layered question. So um, what, you know, what, what makes you, we talked about getting better and everything else, but what makes you want to do those things? What? So I love creating things. So I love taking a house from its, so, you know, I mean, sometimes we have houses that are initially designed on a, on a steno pad or a napkin at yeah, McDonald's. Right. Yeah. And to be able to work with a client from that point, which is at, you know, is nothing, and to bring it to life, uh, you know, people think, you know, a house is a house. A house is a living, breathing thing. It, I mean, in my world, in the custom residential world, a house morphs and changes dozens and dozens of times throughout construction. Even if they've got the most detailed plans, yeah. 
and they've been sitting on it for a long time, when that thing goes vertical, and it, it t- I mean, it takes on a life of its own. And so, um, you know, what drives me is to just to help create, bring that vision that the client has to life, okay, and to see their creation sort of transform in front of their eyes, and to see their eyes sparkle as they come and see it grow. Um, so that you know, that's kind of the professional drive. Is and, and each day is different for me. No day is the same. Right. Yeah. Right. So if I had to do the same thing day in and day out, I would I would lose my mind. Um, so I, I I love the fact that every day is different. Even if we're doing kind of the same thing in different houses at different stages, every day is different. And then you know, and then then you know, to to be able to provide. Uh, for my wife, for my daughters and my family, uh, and, and to see them grow and mature and do what they're going to do. That, yeah, those are the two things that prime, you know, primarily drive me. Right. Uh, you know, just to, and, and also to try and teach. I want the world to be a kinder place. We somehow over the last 30 years have become a less kind place. And we <laughs> had that kindness when I was a kid. And so I'm trying to spread it a little bit here and there, everywhere I go. Some days are better than others. Uh, but I want my family to all do the same thing. I can't thank you enough. This has been awesome. Thank uh, you for having me. Yeah. And that concludes. Thank you. You've been listening to the Full Port Podcast with Josh Howard and Nate Wyatt. Find us on social media like Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Just search TP Howard Plumbing. Make sure to click the follow button on the podcast and give it a five-star rating if you like what you hear. 